It's time for Type 40, your Doctor Who podcast from the Spacebook for the Fandom podcast network with me, Dan Hadley, Birmingham's King of the Geeks, and your genial party host this time. Whether you're new to the show, even this entire time stream, or you've been here before, you'll be happy to learn that we're the same freewheeling, non-gatekeeping, but eclectic show for everybody. Whatever decade or century you started watching, reading, or listening along to the ongoing adventures of our hero, the Time Lord Doctor Who. We talk about it all on this show. All views are encouraged, and there'll even be a few laughs along the way. Keep your fingers crossed, everybody. So come and step into our TARDIS and share this journey together here with us on Type 40. Delighted to be back for another slice of uh, deliciously Doctorish conversation. And uh, it's a very special show for us. We don't generally do things like this around here, but this episode does mark the third birthday of Type 40 itself. So we thought we'd put up some bunting, some of our own bunting this time, invite a few friends over to hang out, probably hang out in the kitchen because uh, it's any good party. All the coolest people are always in the kitchen, aren't they? Speaking of which, looking over in the corner by the fridge, next to the Breville machine, Somebody fancies a toasted hot sandwich. Looks like they've been on the WKD already. Let's find out with starry-eyed girl Sarah Graham. <laughs> <laughs> Cheeky. Does that sound about right or am I way <laughs> off mark? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm definitely in the kitchen. Yeah, all the best stuff happens in the kitchen at parties. Even though it's been a long time since I've been at a party yeah, with yeah, uh, yeah. the recent restrictions. But hey, we're having our own party today. We are indeed. I haven't got the munchies yet, but I'm not ruling it out. I'm not ruling it out. How are you? What have you been up to lately? What's been going on? Oh, very well, thank you. Uh, we are gearing up for the summer holidays. The kids have got one more week at school. Yeah, we've finally had some good weather. So we yeah, have. it's a bit, uh, bit warm. It is, it is. It does make a change. Let's bring in our house guests. I think lately they've become a little more used to time guardians and Time Lords as host <laughs> of uh, the Fandom Podcast Network's True Believers podcast, which covers all things Marvel in cinema, TV, and print. It can only be Kevin Reitzel and Kyle Wagner. Welcome back to Type 40, guys. <laughs> Hi, hey. How are you, Kyle? What's been going on with you? I'm good, but I, I have a couple of points of contention here, Mr. Hadley. You call yourself the, the king of nerdy burning, Birmingham. I don't ever officially get, remember getting your Game of Thrones official winning certificate for that. I do have the Queen of the North here with me. I don't mess with the King Queen of the North. I know not to mess with her. Kevin, it's been such a long time since you've been on Type 40. Welcome back. Yeah, like maybe two or three years. <laughs> yeah, or the beginning or the beginning of the jo uh, the Jody year. So yeah, that's right. It's it's way 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 back. I think we're talking about episode eight or nine. Whenever the Jody Whittaker era launched, you came in and gave your your sort of. Uh, Hot take, but a cold take as somebody sort of drifts in and out of Doctor Who fandom. That was fascinating. But your work has continued at the coalface of podcasting, isn't it, on the Fandom Podcast Network? But yeah, how's it all coming along? And True Believers has been going all year so far now, hasn't it? So uh, how's that all, all yeah, going well, down? It's kind of a funny story about that podcast on the network where, you know, we were looking forward to the upcoming year of Disney Plus original programming for the MCU. Yeah. And literally, I think uh, at the last minute, Kyle, WandaVision was WandaVision about to, started. Yeah, WandaVision <laughs> was about to drop, and I sent mess, a message to Kyle. Hey, 
do you think that we should have a podcast just talking about MCU? Because Kyle and I are such big MCU nerds, thus the birth of True Believers. And it was funny too, Kyle, because I remember asking you, like, what should we call it and who should be the host? <laughs> yeah, uh, that was a short answer. We call it True Believers and I am the host because I am the <laughs> mighty Marvel <laughs> fan around here. But but, but but what Kevin fails to neglect to say is, okay, oh, WandaVision's starting. We'll cover WandaVision and we'll have some breaks. Oh, no! Shortly after WandaVision starts... Disney announces, oh, we're going to have Marvel content every week of the year now. <laughs> yeah, we didn't realize how busy we were going to be. And right now we're already on episode 21, 22 right now. So it has been. And when there isn't actually new content on, there's some sort of behind the scenes shows. So it's definitely kept you busy talking about superheroics. There's a lot more to come in 2021. So it's going to be a while until that show is able to take a little bit of a break, I think. I, I, I think Disney Plus has changed everything for how podcasters. Don't now don't have a lack of content. <laughs> Thank God for the the weekly drops. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if it all dropped at once, you'd be well, you'd have square eyes by after a week. <laughs> you'd be we'd be walking to furniture and things like that. We're going to have a proper catch up over the next however long. I've found the Doctor's secret stash of Aldebaran brandy, so that's just between us. But yeah, before we get into all of that. If you'd like to do some real time travel of your own, each and every edition of this show, past, present, and future, is just a tap or two away on the device of your choice, if you know where to look. And there'll be more about all of that a little later on, as well as a catch-up with the matrix of all knowledge we call the Fandom Podcast Network. It's a veritable multiverse of madness. And, uh, yeah, we're going to tell you some more about it. So... Uh, so let's check in with uh, getting the party started. What do you say? <laughs> Hold on, where are we? That's time for me to hit this. As we were saying, when we launched Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast, back in the summer of 2018, this uh, 55-year-old franchise was on the threshold of the latest of its several restarts and... Uh, a jumping on point for new viewers as well as a, a chance for older viewers, people who've been following it for 5, 10, 15, 20, longer years to sort of cleanse their palate and for it all to begin all over again. There'd been a changing of the guard behind the scenes that a whole new production team had been brought into BBC Wales, quite literally, and then the announcement of a new star and her supporting cast. But a lot, <laughs> a lot can happen. In, in three years, can't it? A hell of a lot can happen in three years. And in the time between then, between the summer of 2018 and now, well, our podcast has certainly taken flight. It's uh, evolved and found a really lovely audience out there uh, who get absolutely what we're about. But at the same time, Doctor Who's own fortunes have twisted and turned a bit like the time vortex and the show's been shooting some new episodes much of this year and i'm sure we'll get to see them before too long uh, but it must be accepted that uh, series 13 of what some of us still call new who it's probably got more to prove now than three years ago and perhaps more to prove than the show has had to prove in any terms since uh, since 2005 and this is regardless of any change of personnel in front of or, or behind the camera i wanted to speak to you guys kevin and kyle about this because uh, obviously over the last couple of years you know the, the world there's been much greater things going on in the world we collectively together have faced this global health crisis we've lived through something that i don't think any of us could ever have imagined 
and it's affected everything from how we live and how we work and how we balance our sort of recreational lives, hasn't it? It's made so uh, social gatherings, for example, completely and utterly impossible for an extended period. And that convention circuit, that entire convention circuit internationally has had to sort of move online, really, and to start pioneering what we now term virtual events. Uh, a few days ago, as of recording, so, yeah, we had this revelation that uh, Comic Con was confirming they were going to go online again for 2021. It's a scaled down virtual event, but a Doctor Who panel has been confirmed for Sunday, the 25th of July, 2021. Jodie Whittaker's there, Mandy Gill's there, of course, that's the Doctor and Yaz, along with newcomer John Bishop, who's playing just Dan, that's all we know for the time being, and the showrunner Chris Chibnall. They'll all be there. But uh, Kevin, I was wondering, as somebody who would usually attend multiple events in a calendar year, what sort of shape is the convention scene in now and uh, can it recover oh it will definitely recover it's just really touch and go right now there's uh some conventions that are going to be opening up but in limited uh capacity uh like one of my favorites dragon con in atlanta every year uh it's not going to be the same this year it's still touch and go certain places are opening up with the pandemic and uh, there's still people that are that don't have their vaccination yet, and maybe they're waiting or just personal beliefs, what have you, that still feel uncomfortable going out into larger crowds. But uh, I do feel that the convention circuit will be back to normal. Sporting events like American football, they've already announced that they're going to have completely uh, um, packed stadiums this year. And so uh, sports fans in most sports arenas are enjoying that as of right now. Um, conventions will, will definitely come back to it. Comic-Con, obviously the biggest show of the year, extremely, uh, I mean, they get like over a hundred thousand guests. Um, I think they mm -hmm. want to wait till maybe next year to really f open the flood door, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So whilst they could have staged a physical event this year, they thought better of it. They thought they'd be more conservative. Yeah, and Comic-Con usually drops around July, which is this month, or August. Usually it's July, and so it was too soon to really kind of uh, do that and, and keep everyone's... And, and you have to keep in mind, too, one of the draws of Comic-Con, of course, is a celebrity guest and that famous H panel hall, which has the biggest stars and the biggest reveals. Yeah. Maybe they don't feel comfortable coming into a situation like that. So thus, they decided to kind of keep it virtual again. Because that place is positively cavernous, isn't it, Hall H? Yes, it is large, <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Back on an early edition of the show, I think it was about episode five or six, uh, Kyle, you and I and Norm, we talked about Comic-Con 2018, the tradition of Comic-Con, the spectacle and the, uh, the occasion, really, of the cast of Doctor Who, the then new Doctor, making a big splash there it was you know she was one of the uh i think one of the most anticipated guests because she'd done so little they'd been so busy filming the show so we've seen how conventions have been affected so she's not going to be on stage nobody's going to be on stage it's all going to be virtual i was wondering if you think that this that they're going to take advantage of this gap to maybe evolve the format a little bit to uh, anticipate things that the audience may want it's going to be very interesting with cons. And in fact, we, Kevin and I just had this conversation with one of our international friends, Dave Fielding, who heads up the True Believers uh, Facebook page. He was just on the most recent episode we recorded. He's an annual attender of Dragon Con, and he's probably not going to be able to go because of the fact that 
of the corn travel quarantine still in place and things yeah. like that. And I think I think the international travel, especially for these larger cons like San Diego, New York, Dragon Con, I think it's really kind of up in the air with cons. I think you're seeing a lot more of the local type cons really start opening up here in the states. Like I know mm. a, a big one that we have here is MegaCon in Orlando, what in Orlando, which is going to be happening in August. Um, a lot of people have signed up for that, and I, I think everybody's just kind of in a feeling out process. And I think. What, what you're going to see happen with these conventions, like I know for San Diego Comic-Con this year, because there is no Hall H, neither Marvel Studios or um, Warner Brothers are bringing anything virtually to San Diego Comic-Con. Um, another good example is as far as major cons is E3, which is the Electronics Gaming Expo. Sony has skipped it the last two years and done their own presentation instead. I think 2022 is going to be the year where we see cons kind of become back to what we know as cons, but I still think it's going to be a di different environment because I don't think people are still going to be fully ready to get out into that huge, huge crowd yet as far as a con goes. It's a little different with a sporting event because there's still a little bit of stadium control there. But I, Kevin and I can speak from experience, especially when you're talking like, let's say, Dragon Con, where you just have people packed in those hell hotel rooms like sardines. I just don't think we're ever going to... They're not going to be allowed to get back to that again. No. I don't, I, there'll still be cons. There'll still be a lot of people. But I think what we're going to end up seeing is there's going to be less people allowed into these cons than what they used to be because kevin i don't know about you you but the last few cons i've attended especially going on a weekend you can't move it's shoulder to shoulder there's i, um, I could i could definitely yeah definitely especially dragon con uh, the hotels are just so packed uh the way they, they run things there but i could see them limiting the amount of uh participants for the next year or so because there is a thing, isn't there, called con crud, where people who go to these enormous conventions say, mm -hmm. "I've never, I've never been to one." No, of not to one, no. <laughs> people apparently come back regularly quite ill, like I suppose, like kids who've just started school and been exposed. That's for that's yeah. for the uh, that's what happens to the beginners and the noobs that don't uh, <laughs> learn about taking uh, emergency vitamin C, special stuff <laughs> that helps your immune system, and you start taking that like a week before the event. Really? And I've been able to avoid the con crud because I take those immune boosters before, during, and of course after. <laughs> con crud actually more dangerous than COVID nineteen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's a man who spent a lot of time in the trenches. I I think Sarah. But uh, the thing I wanted to ask you about, Sarah, we're going to get the doctor, we're going to get Yas, we're going to get Dan, and we're going to get the showrunner. But they've said that there's going to be a special surprise guest on screen with the regular cast. A couple of short years ago, you and I would have been frantically speculating in yeah. Messenger and on the phone mm -hmm. about who that would be and why. And all of that, things have changed a lot the last couple of years, haven't they? But had you seen that announcement and have yes. you any instincts about who this uh, special surprise guest would be? Because the word special, <laughs> the special and the special, isn't yes. it? Yes. Well, uh, yeah, you have to kind of temper your expectations now um, with the current situation. It's got to be somebody who's in the Chibnall fold. So I, I would have said John Barrowman. We've been out of the current time. <laughs> uh, Joe Martin, the Fugitive Doctor, even David Tennant, because obviously he's worked with Chris Chibnall, he's friends with him, he's friends with Jodie. It's not going to be anyone outside of that Chibnall fold, I don't think. Uh, I've also heard rumours that it might be James Corden. Uh, I don't know if you did that as well. Yes, uh, I've heard that. Do I come to that in a moment? 
Um, I've heard some rumours that um, people are hoping for Tom Baker. I can't see that happening, to be honest. If you... okay. Well, I can tell you now that the James Corden, the James Corden thing was false, as you know, Kevin and Kyle. Mm-hmm. James Corden at the moment, he's, he fronts a late night talk show, doesn't he? A very, very yeah. popular show, yeah. which yep. we do get over here too. But he's been in Doctor Who twice. He's friends with Matt Smith. I think he's friends with Jodie Whittaker as well, come to think of it. Would they take yeah. this opportunity to announce a new Doctor or a new something? That's what the message is. That's the speculation and all the messages and the tweets that I keep seeing. People, there are a lot of people out there that, that are convinced they're going to take this opportunity to, to debut a 14th Doctor. No. There is, as Sarah is shaking her head now, and she's absolutely right, there is no chance whatsoever that they would do that. And I, I think for a number of reasons, I think that why squander two, potentially three possibilities, rounds of publicity in one, in one big shot on one big panel, Whereas if if there was another Doctor cast, and I don't believe that there that a fourteenth Doctor has been cast, I believe that somebody, I believe that somebody other than Jodie Whittaker and Joe Martin will play the Doctor in Series Thirteen, but I don't think the fourteenth Doctor has been cast. But that's, that's no. more speculation for another time. But I think with this panel, what we're more likely to see, I mean. There was talk online about uh, about James Corden. Yeah, that was, believe it or not, that was a dummy Twitter account that did that, Kyle. They changed their profile picture and their tag name to match the official one, tweeted out what looked like an official picture with James Corden on, and everybody ran with it, and they left them for a good hour before they revealed that it was a prank. It was, a, mm. it was all false. But this is the kind of stunt that... I always tag as being part of silly season. When there is yes. no news, Kyle, people tend to make it up, don't they? Somebody putting something false on Twitter? Wow. Who would have thought of that? I could of see that. James Corden hosting this. Maybe yeah, doing hosting the like event. Yes. Yeah. I think he did. But, I think he did host something last year. Yeah. So, so let me address this in a couple of ways because we need to address Doctor Who in America right now because it's basically yeah. forgotten. It really, truly is. that. It's amazing to me because they had such a chance to really do some major hyping on Who because when HBO Max, the streaming service, launched, Doctor Who was one of the huge things. Modern Who being yes. on, is that's where you that's the only place in America now you can find streaming modern Doctor Who is HBO Max. Doctor Who, which was so incredibly popular, especially with the Matt Smith run, and even stayed popular through the Capaldi run. Jodie Whittaker had so much excitement generated, and I, I find it interesting that we were coming kind of full circle with her them coming back to Comic Con because in 2018 when she showed up at Comic Con, she was she was the talk of Comic Con. Everybody was yes. going gaga about her appearance, yeah. how how well she treated everybody at Comic Con, and just how she got the excitement going for her her being the Doctor. And of course, we've known what's going on since there's the controversies about the writing, people being controversial about about Jody's performances as a doctor and whether it's it's her as an actor if it's the writing if it's if it's something else and just just in the direction Doctor Who has taken with this current run with with Chibnall and I find it interesting now that they're coming back to Comic-Con and as far as special guests I agree I don't think we were getting any announcement of doctor changes because I think they have no idea what direction they want to go in yet I mean I've seen some of the rumors and including the most recent rumor of who was going to be cast for the 14th doctor and I just kind of shook yeah. my head saying please no I just not any offense to that particular person, but that I don't see that person as a doctor. I can tell you, Carl, that series 14 of Doctor Who hasn't even been commissioned. 
I believe that too. I think we might be looking at another Doctor Who break here for for a while after this season as well. But you know, things things happen rapidly. You know, you were talking about special guests. The first name that to me that jumps to mind, and Sarah said it was John Berriman. I really think BBC is realizing if they need to get that. I know whose ratings are way down in the, in the UK, but I think the BBC realizes if they're really going to be able to lift up who internationally again it's got to start here in the united states as well because when who was booming big time here in the u.s it was a world it had become a worldwide phenomenon i think they're going to try to do that and i think a great way to do that even though i know john Berriman has had some issues over in the uk and some can't with yeah. the cancel culture over there but john Berriman is still immensely loved here in the the u.s and he's uh, he's gotten so many so, projects here in the u.s he's a huge so, draw at dragon con by the way huh. he loves dragon con and it's his favorite convention so from your perspective over there in the states you've heard about what's gone on in the uk with john Berriman, but it's largely unaffected the man is is still as welcome still as loved and as far as you're aware, is still in in regular work because the, he's been work, he's been working on both sides of the Atlantic across yes. Arrow and various other shows for the best part of ten years, hasn't he, Sarah? Balancing it all, light entertainment and drama. He's been beloved on you know both sides of the pond. It was a shame with what happened with this cancel culture. Well, and I, I think in the in the case of John, in other words, because there's another major doctor who's alumnus who's got some real problems but um in john berriman's case i think here in the states a lot of people because of how john has been at conventions and just how he is as a person know yeah. that that's just john being john and if he would if people would have just said you know what john i'm not comfortable with that john would have been respectful and stopped it you don't hear anything about this kind of stuff from the arrow sets and the, the dc universe sets and other shows yeah. he's been on people love john berriman over here so if you're really i mean i remember when he last season when he made his appearance on Doctor Who last season, people in America were actually talking about it. Yeah. Captain Jack was back. People were talking about it here. And I, th I think so I think if they're going to get John Berriman involved again, and I don't know because obviously we know like the big finish took him off the project and I don't know if the BB how the BBC is thinking at this point. But to me, if you're going to get the US interest in getting John Berriman back is a would be a very good idea. I just don't know yeah. if that's it. Not only have Big Finish not published that drama, that special Torchwood drama that was David Tennant and John Barrowman together again as Captain Jack and the Tenth mm -hmm. Doctor, that's been put back indefinitely. I can't believe that that will never see the light, but that's by the by, I suppose. So not only has that been pushed back, but a comic book that was supposed to tie into Series 13, starring Captain Jack at Titan Comics, that has been taken off the schedule completely. And that storyline was supposed to correspond and lead into and out of series 13 sarah yes. so that would lead me to believe that at some point john barrowman and captain jack were in series 13 yes over here guys it's still it's at the point now where you can't really say john barrowman's name without people at the very least making a joke about about it or acknowledging that he has been in inverted commas mm. cancelled i think this is here the situation between him and the other individual are miles apart. Uh, I won't, I, you know, it, I won't get too too deep into that. But yeah, over here, there's very much a pause on all things John Barrowman, and so I believe that he did film material for Series 13, and that behind the scenes, there could be some what they would call reshoots, Kevin, about to take place. Maybe bringing in, drafting in somebody else, and that could line up with this surprise guest. I hope so. I I am sick and tired of cancel culture. 
thick skin yeah. people come on the people that grew up with south park are now oh everything offends me give me a freaking break guys he's already apologized one and done with it go everyone's so afraid to officially move on from something that was controversial or you know what something happened i mean i miss the old days where hugh grant would go on to the tonight show and just say i did a very bad thing i'm sorry one and done he's done he moved on now he's in a great situation cancel culture f you i completely agree with that i co-signed that <laughs> bring back john barrowman man i love that guy yeah, so as much as I'd love to think it was John Barrowman, Sarah, I don't think it's going to be him. No. Uh, you, who are, you mentioned David Tennant. David Tennant always gets my vote. There's, there's John Barrowman. They'll there never be cancelled here on Type 40. There he is. He's <laughs> got, got him in plastic form. So, yeah, my money, Kyle, has to be on David Tennant, I think partly because he's worked with Chris Jibber before, just as Sarah said. But another reason is the fact that he's so... He's so affable to remaining part of the Doctor Who camp. They keep wheeling him out and bringing him in to basically save Doctor Who merchandise. Yes. Oh, I, I would. I would normally say that was a very distinct possibility, but there has been a massive shift in David Tennant's schedule, and that is oh. that is the fact that when the show Prodigal Son was canceled by Fox here in the United States, oh. that immediately greenlit season uh, two of good omens for amazon <laughs> which has now which is is getting ready to start fantastic. filming <laughs> so that. david Tennant's <laughs> schedule all of a sudden got a little bit busy so you know, I what, don't you know what's know. interesting about that kyle sorry to interrupt but bad mm -hmm. uh was it good omens right? Is that right yeah good omens people tried to cancel culture that one do you remember that? Yeah. oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. because oh of all God. the religious overtones <laughs> People uh, on the other side of the fence were like, you know, trying to cancel that show. So I think that's a win for the for against the cancel culture right there. Which broadcaster is Good Omens on again, Kyle? Amazon handles it, Good Omens. Isn't that the one? Do you remember this, Sarah? That there was an attempt to get Good Omens cancelled, but the the body, the organisation that had taken offence. They hadn't bothered checking that it was who broadcast good yeah, omens. Yes, I do. There was a petition and it got sent to Netflix. <laughs> I, I, it I do yeah. remember that, yeah. Yeah, well, and Amazon, something, something like consider it done. And Amazon kind of when all that came out, Amazon was like, uh, yeah, we're Amazon, so no. <laughs> <laughs> we're richer than God, so suck it. <laughs> people pulling the trigger way too quickly without even thinking. Or checking. That's the definition of cancel culture right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, given the fact that, yeah, David Tennant and, and Michael Sheen, they take every opportunity to work together. And I'm looking forward to season two of that, too. I still think that David Tennant might be able to make this panel. I just throw a name in there because he's about to get a lot of attention here in the United States again. Oh. Matt Smith. Yeah, I would oh, love that. Okay. I would absolutely love because that. What's coming, what's coming why, up next for Matt, then? Why? Morbius. The Sony Spider-Man spinoff movie Matt Smith is a major part of, and he has got some other projects coming up in the U.S. He also recently he did a movie where he played Charles Manson, and he has gotten a lot of critical acclaim for his performance in that as well. He's playing the villain in Morbius, isn't he? Uh, he's he's playing one of the villains in, in, in Morbius, and of course too. Let's let's not forget that he is one of the central characters in the Game of Thrones prequel series that is coming out as well. Oh man, it's not. He's not done. He's not done too badly, has he, Matt Smith? When you think about it, he kind of dropped off a little bit here in the mm. U.S. And then he can't, people started seeing him when he was on The Crown on Netflix. But remember yeah, when him, he was uh, supposed to be in Star Wars? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, 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 that. I'm glad yeah. that didn't happen uh, though. Uh, 
What happened there? What happened there? Other rumours that I've heard about this special guest star for, for Doctor Who is people thinking it may be Tom Baker, Sarah. Not a chance in hell. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's a w- any way Chris Chibnall allows Tom Baker. Christopher Eccleston? There. You know what? Honestly, I think that- you know what? You know what? That, I think that's way more of a possibility now than it was three years ago because Christopher Eccleston has made this like he's now Mr. Public. He's everywhere. Possibly. He seems to do anything for money these days, so what the I mean, it's like Christopher, Christopher Eccleston was off the map for years, and it now it's like years. he's just everywhere, and he's re-embraced Doctor Who, and it's just bizarre. Yeah, he's, he's obviously returned to the part on audio, but every time he does a little bit of promotion, Kevin, for these new audio adventures of the Ninth Doctor, somebody always asks him, so come on, does this mean you're going back to TV? Does this mean you're doing this? Does this, you know, could one day we see it? And he always gives the same response. He's not interested. He's not having it. Yeah, he's drawing the line there for now. But but Kyle, in all truth, I think that the way that he's responding to the fan base and as he gets sort of in deeper with the character on audio, I honestly think that it's inching closer to reality that we could see that potentially for 2023. People speculating about Tom Baker, though, I, I think that's too far. Whoever this guest star is, is either somebody who's been drafted in for these reshoots that probably would have gone to John Barrowman and Captain Jack. I do have one Ooh. more name that I think could be a very distinct possibility. But should I give away spoilers? You know what? I was just thinking, I guys. Think, Alex I think Kingston. Alex Kingston, as River Song, I think could be especially yes. if they're going to refill up Harkness type role. Yeah. And that would appeal to so many of the American fans as well because they love River Song. I think that would be a huge get for the next year. And a lot of people wanted to see Jody and River Song together because that would be just in a very interesting dynamic. Sarah, if you've got a space in your fantasy drama for mm-hmm. a a recurring character who's quite playful who's almost ageless who can pop in and out of your life with a vortex manipulator say lots of random things and then just disappear just as quickly as they arrived that's probably the best fit isn't it yeah and you know and again alex is always wanting to come back she you know she's always looking for an excuse I think Alex Kingston and Paul Rudd drink the same uh, fountain of youth drink because they, neither one of them age. I had such a crush on her. <laughs> oh, still yeah. I still a crush on her. <laughs> I've heard other things, other characters, people like Carol Ann Ford, Sarah from right at the very beginning of Doctor Who, but I honestly think that you could just pull any name out of the hat and, and people will understand and get excited about it because this is the Doctor Who fandom and that's kind of how it works in case you hadn't noticed. Kevin, as somebody who's sort of dipped in and out with Doctor Who over the years. When you when you see the hardcore people getting so excited, whether it be radiating affection at the stars or whether it be promoting a cancel culture, which you and I, all of us here, find unpalatable. Do Doctor Who fans, do they behave any more extreme than any other fan base? Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's almost you like... You what I'm talking it, about. <laughs> you know, I know. We're all passionate and... You know, I, I come from obviously a Star Wars, Star Trek, and of course a Highlander fan base, and they've all had their highs and their lows. And it's like it feels like the Jodie Whittaker era is like the sequel trilogy era for Star Wars. When you get a real passionate fan base, you're gonna wear your emotions on your sleeve. And Doctor Who fans do that, Star Wars fans do that, Star Trek fans do that. 
And it's it's just it's all one of the same. And when you're fans of all three of them too, it gets really interesting. <laughs> yes, it does. The big the big Venn diagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See the see the crossover. We understand that you have drifted back into Doctor Who lately, Kevin. Haven't you you've made quite a big purchase, haven't you, to to fill some viewing time? So do you want to tell everybody what you've bought? Yeah. Okay. So real quick, um, my mom first introduced me to Doctor Who. And I remember watching it on uh, our public net access uh, channels and the BBC yeah. would sneak into uh, those channels first before it came on anything else. And of course it was the fourth doctor, Tom Baker. And to me for the longest time, I thought he was the only doctor who, cause I, my mom would be yeah, watching yeah. it. I'd sit down and watch mm -hmm. it with her, his iconic look. You can never forget. It wasn't until years later I realized, Oh, and he wasn't the first. And so when, Doctor Who came back onto the scene in 2006 with Christopher Eccleston. It took me a while to get back or to dive into it. And it wasn't until a few years later, I think when, I think it was during the Tenet uh, uh, series, I was, I couldn't find BBC and enough to watch it on a regular basis. And I knew I'd missed a bunch of stuff. So I found a way to, let's just say, watch it in an unconventional way <laughs> which which nowadays might be conventional for some people when they can't find everything they want they find other ways to get it and i basically uh marathon christopher eccleson all the way up until i was caught up and then i was able to find it on bbc and watch it regularly and uh to me christopher eccleston is really what got me into doctor who and he today is also my favorite doctor for several reasons. I love his classic look. He has an unassuming look. He can blend in anywhere. Uh, and I'm just a big fan of the actor. And I was also a big fan of Billy Piper. I, I actually remember when she was a pop singer at the age of 15 and 16. Yeah. And she was releasing some hits, and including you know Honey to the Bee and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. And recently at our Walmart stores here in the stateside, they've been selling these Doctor Who seasons um for 20 bucks and i got one uh with christopher eccleston in the david Tennant years right here and oh, then oh. i kept going through yeah here it is right here and it's for 20 bucks and then i also got the matt smith years as well and uh they've been selling obviously uh other versions as well i i think the current versions really they um they had uh, the Peter Capaldi years as well. And I didn't really get into the Peter Capaldi years, to be honest with you. But to me, the Matt Smith, Christopher Eccleston, and David Tennant was my Doctor Who. These are the ones I really got in. And I am a huge fan of uh, Christopher Eccleston's one season run as Doctor Who. I just, I love him and uh, yeah. I, I love those episodes. I was just watching that first episode, Rose, with the creepy mannequin guys. And uh, yeah. it just, it brought me back. And so if you're in the States and you're watching this, check it out. Uh, very affordable, 20 bucks for, especially yeah, for the Eccleston and Tenet years for 20 bucks. Come on. <laughs> These are big, chunky box sets, aren't they? With a, with a good, some of them, three or four seasons worth in them. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess you could buy all of them together, but this one here is the Eccleston and Tenet years, and it's a uh, 12-disc set, you know, so that's pretty wow. cool. 12 discs yeah. 20 books. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, and very oh, affordable. Yeah. I, seriously, I haven't seen these anywhere else except Walmart and uh, the 10-disc the set for the Matt Smith years as well. So definitely check it out. I don't think they've released these versions overseas in the U.K., have they? No, definitely not. We do, we do have collected sets, don't we, Sarah? Because you've got a, you've got quite a large Peter Capaldi set, haven't you? Yes. And what all? Of, and oh, Kevin, it just made me so happy to hear you, you know, rave about <laughs> Eccleston. I love Eccleston. 
as you know. He yeah. comes back, and you, I actually want to go back and get the big finish stuff. That he's done what one, two of those recently? Is that right? That's right. Just just three yes. stories so far, is it, Sarah? And it, yeah, it, and it's got the 2005 theme tune, and everything ah. just sounds like you're back then. Oh, Kevin! Oh, it's beautiful. I love his look. Yes. I swear to God, I yes. just I love his. I love that leather jacket. Give me that jacket. That's what I want. Are you an audio drama fan then, Kevin? I don't think I've ever Huge audio drama fan. I'm actually, oh, I was introduced to the Big Finish audio because they did a Highlander series that yeah. became very popular, very hard to get now. Uh, and I've been listening to audiobooks since the early nine or the mid 90s um, Star Wars audiobooks. And I did a mm -hmm. lot of traveling. And uh, one of my favorite all time audiobook series is the Jim Dale read Harry Potter series best audiobooks that you'll ever listen to and so i i love love audiobooks and so uh I, and actually i had the, the i had gotten a uh, a torchwood um captain jack series as well uh i forget where i put that but I, that was a fun listen to as well you're putting the harry potters over the will wheaton ready player one ready player two <laughs> yes sir Armada, I am. Com combos <laughs> yes i am that was a good series that will did but no the harry potter books are just fantastic for all that we lament the series from from decades past. You know, plen plenty of us are are classic enthusiasts first and foremost. You know, the the original classic BBC show. That influx of new people that came to it in two thousand and five has absolutely, I think, it's in, ensured its longevity probably forever, and has meant I think with the advent of of streaming as well, Kyle, and the ac the accessibility through HBO Max, through BritBox, all those things coming together. There are all these different ways where people can uh, can sample all, all eras of Doctor Who at the same time. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think, you know, especially with the pandemic over the last year and a half, we've seen such a change in how we absorb our media and things like that, where you have people now who are just putting all their money into streaming. They've stopped buying media for general because it's just like, oh, it's on my streaming service. Speak for yourself, sir. Yeah, this is an internal fandom podcast network con conflict of digital versus physical. One of the always big concerns about streaming was, you know, when a license runs out, oh, that's going to go off into the ether. But yeah. there's so many streaming services now that are just desperate for content of any kind. And things that we have never thought we thought were lost to oblivion are back. And, I mean, when you look at services like Tubi and Pluto, and I mean, Pluto has a whole channel dedicated to classic Doctor Who. You have been, the entire time I've known you, you've been a really strong advocate of streaming. But this sort of the era of the lockdown and the pandemic, it's really uh, sped that process up. I, I, think it, I think it has because I think smart business sense kicked in and realizing people are at home. People need content. People need things to do because they can't go out. The streaming services jumped on it. Obviously, the advent of Disney Plus coming out and tying in about the same time this pandemic started or a little bit before that was huge. And the fact that we are now in this situation where we're seeing major stars and major tentpole franchises doing things for streaming. Obviously, Disney with Disney Plus, you've got the Marvel, you've got the Star Wars, you've got Paramount now um, bringing the Fast and Furious stuff as one of their big tentpole franchises. Obviously, everything they're doing with Star Trek, whether you, you're liking it or not, there is a ton of Star Trek on Paramount Plus yeah, more than now. Um, you've got uh, Peacock, which is the NBC app, Comcast Universal app. You've, you've got so many different things. Even Apple is and Amazon, especially, and that, especially with Amazon having recently bought the MGM Studios, which gave them the entire James Bond library, as, as so much, many more things. And it gives them a studio to produce their own content. But you're seeing 
this run, even though theaters here in the States are starting to reopen and we've had a few movies out, but um, the one that opened this just recently here, Black Widow, which opened this weekend, I think feels to a lot of people like this is really the return to theaters movie. I mean, a lot of people are still doing it to streaming. Some people said it was Fast 9, which did do very good numbers here in the States. Mm -hmm. But I think Black Widow is the one, a Marvel movie is the one that's going to pull everybody in. But I still think we're going to see this kind of amalgamation when it's all said and done, where you have more streaming op options mm -hmm. through streaming. But I'm not going to say necessarily like going to the movie theaters is going to go away. But I think even Kevin can agree with me on this. Newer physical media is becoming less and less you walk into like one of the, like our big stores here like walmart best Sorry, buy yeah. target this except for walmart i think the dvd sections are shrinking smaller and smaller and walmart it stays so big because they've got all these like exclusive type box sets like kevin picked up with these doctor who's right now i think walmart is the best place to go for cds and collections and stuff like that a couple of the major supermarkets here in the uk have announced this week that they're stopping selling all physical media haven't they sarah they have, yeah, and I do get it, you know, that that space can be taken for something else. It, personally, I think it's sad. I love physical media, and especially, I think it's important more than ever now things are getting cancelled and, you know, edited out and... Well, see, you've got to sort of pick up these things while you can. I mean, I think there was a question for a while there, Carl, with what you were talking about, about whether the shift was a permanent one or not. But it needn't necessarily be an all-or-nothing thing, had it. You know, there could be packaged physical media in the same way that we have with vinyl. But by the same measure, if the multiplex is going to be affected long-term, we could see boutique cinemas become more commonplace, for example. I think what we're going to see with the movie theaters is the movie theaters are going to become home to just blockbuster films, where you know the big tentpole franchise, your Marvel films, you your Star Wars your films, to, to go there to have that experience on the big screen. I think what you're going to see is a lot of films that would maybe either go straight to DVD or might be in, released in smaller theaters are just going to go straight to these streaming services. In fact, when you talk about like things like the Cannes Film Festival or Sundance here in the United States, where they sell, that's where they sell a lot of these movies. Netflix. Amazon, they're all huge presences there now because they want the con they want the content. But what's happening is, and the perfect example I can get on this, I just listened to another podcast recently. They were talking about the movie A Quiet Place too, which came out recently, yeah. and how they insisted on wanting to have it in theaters. But the problem is, is it's going to change how actors get paid too, because a lot of actors get what they call back end money, which is money out of the box office. And that's not happening as much anymore because these things are going to streaming too. Universal now has a deal with the major movie chains here in the U.S. where they put their movies on their streaming service 45 days after they've been, been in the theater. So you're going to get that initial rush for the people who really want to go see this in the theater. But you're going to have a lot of people who aren't comfortable yet going to the theater or just like, I have this home theater set up. I've got too much else going on. I'll see it when it comes out on streaming. And what's happening is now these actors aren't getting the bigger back-end pays that they would have, that we were getting just be before the pandemic. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that's going to change Hollywood here in the U.S. and things like that. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting situation going on. I think it'll suffer for a little bit, but I don't think it's going to completely go away. We'll have digital, but too many people love holding it in their hand as a collectible yes. as well and <laughs> opening it up and looking at the cover art and the booklets that it might come with and stuff like that. So, um, and I think there's certain uh, fandoms that will survive because of that. And I think that Doctor Who, Star Wars, Star Trek, 
are among those fandoms that will keep that interest alive. Even if you have to go on eBay and spend a little bit more for these uh, out of print ones and stuff, I, I think that they'll still stay alive and stay above water. Either way, I, I don't think physical media is ever going to completely go away. I think there's, I think we're a couple generations before that happens, but I do think we are in a world now where digital media is the primary source of getting your media. I don't th I think physical media has become secondary to digital media at this point. I think about all the things that you've said about streaming platforms, and they are hungry for material, for content, aren't they? I think the thing with Disney yeah. Plus sort of proves that. And we look at Paramount Plus, which is the CBS All Access is now Paramount Plus largely, isn't it? Correct. They've ex expanded it considerably, but it is it is an extension, an evolution of the same thing. So that's going to compete with, with Disney Plus. So we've got the home of Star Trek. We have the home of Star Wars. Basically, kind of joining battle in the streaming wars and then we look over to to doctor who and it's tumbleweeds it's incredible in the pandemic that they have managed to film anything that aside well, but this problem has not been a pandemic thing has it we've had 10 no. episodes of doctor who every now and again for a few years now here's what i think has unfortunately happened to doctor who streaming on hbo max because it was going to actually be a centerpiece for hbo max then the pandemic hit and mourners who at the time made this decision that we're going to take every movie we release the day it comes out in theaters we're putting it on hbo max and i think that has overshadowed so many things on oh, h on yeah. hbo max because you're talking about i mean you're not talking small films we're talking godzilla versus kong was on there we are talking yes. a new denzel washington film a new steven soderbergh film which just came out you had a new movie with angelina jolie in it from the writer of yellowstone which is an incredibly popular series and we're talking later on in october dune dune is going to be on streaming platforms the same day it's going to come out in theaters so, I so something like, like doctor who which is already kind of running on fumes is going to struggle even more so it does feel like there's a lack of vision from the brand and there's a lack of yeah. energy and investment and pride from the international partners too and what i mean that's just speculation obviously on my part that does seem to be how it is and it's i suppose everything has its time and, and ebbs and flows i think it, do it doesn't help especially here here right now but there's two shows right now that really have a lot of heavy Doctor Who vibe, in my opinion, that are, are people are, are saying are, is doing Who better than Who. And obviously, I, yeah, I, yeah. I kind of said that, that as a joking, but the Loki series on Disney sure. Plus, a lot of people are. But there's another series out there that is kind of taking that a little bit of that Who feeling to it. And that's Kevin. I know you're familiar with the show, too. The HBO series, The Nevers, created by Josh Whedon, who is yeah. obviously out on that show. No, but Jane Epstein who kind of took it over. She was Whedon's kind of right hand for a very long time of course Josh Whedon in the middle of his own cancel culture issues right now as well mm -hmm. but but the Nevers was an outstanding show that people are really excited for the second half of the first okay. season to come out but a lot of people are really feeling like those two shows have kind of stolen a lot of the Doctor Who type vibe Tom Hiddleston very popular actor very good looking who are you going to rather watch Little, you know Tom Hiddleston being low-key and doing what he does best or oh, you know scrunch face in a rainbow t-shirt it's just yeah. i'm sorry you did know, you say scrunch face scrunch face she kind of does scrunch face. face. she scrunches her face quite a lot on the show yes and it, it yeah it's a, a you know loki you know it's part of that bigger mythos of the mcu it's been regularly promoted disney plus is doing really well 
Uh, I mean, I've not watched it yet. I've seen the trailer, and obviously, I'm interested because I really like Loki as a character. It's here and now, and Doctor has got a lot to catch up on. It has kind there, of there's... it's been left behind in the dust. Well, the, the the problem is is there's too much content for you to take long leaves of absence, and I know I think people are 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 a little more accepting of it because of the COVID situation. But uh, I can think of another couple of shows that are going to be coming out here s sooner than later that have been affected by COVID. That I'm going to be curious to see what the returns are on that. And one of those is Stranger Things from Netflix, who is yeah. was filming the long starting to film the fourth season. Well, but it was starting to film the fourth season. When COVID hit and it, a production was slowed to nothing, so mm -hmm. that that's that, and especially when you're talking about when you're dealing with the those kids aging out, that's that's becomes a problem. So that's that's been away for a while. And but there's 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 a few other series. Uh, H, uh, and Amazon had a show that kind of had a cult hit, following hit and did decently called Carnival Row with Orlando bloom in it and they got delayed because of covid and they're now just starting to film the second season of that but did it lose too much momentum i mean that's there's too we're, much competition we right have now. definitely uh covid uh, casualties yeah yes. yeah yes yeah, so i think that when it comes to uh when it comes to these these larger properties that doctor who it's kind of now or never to reclaim its place on that international stage and that's with with or without a comic con Obviously, this is what we all want. You know, we'd like to see the uh, the striding heroic series, whoever's at the centre of it, take its natural place. So, time we took a break, everybody. Just a couple of minutes to remind you about some of the other fantastic shows and conversations that are kicking off all over the Fandom Podcast Network with these two gentlemen and some of the other Time Lords on all those fabulous shows. So, here's a few words about all of that and then meet us all back here for more chatter about all things time and space. Thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. We'd like to continue to feed your ears by inviting you to listen to these other great shows on the Fandom Podcast Network. It starts with our flagship show, Culture Clash, discussing the latest in entertainment pop culture. Blight of Kings, Immortals Take Notice, our show covering the entire Highlander universe. Couch Potato Theaters, where we celebrate our favorite movies. Time Warp, the fandom flashback podcast discussing a year in movies and our favorite retro movie and TV pop culture topics. Good Evening, discussing all things Alfred Hitchcock. Union Federation, our Star Trek and Orville show. Hair Metal, the 80s and early 90s rock metal podcast. Type 40, our show covering the time-traveling Doctor Who universe with host Dan Hadley. Lethal Mullet, an 80s and 90s action film podcast with host Adam P. O'Brien. Also check out the Lethal Mullet Network for more great podcasts. What a Piece of Junk, a Star Wars podcast with hosts Scott, Derek, and Nathan. Making Treks, a Star Trek podcast, a deep dive into the final frontier with host Mark Newbold and Adam P. O'Brien. And check out our newest shows, the Fandom Show, our monthly fandom podcast network live YouTube exclusive show about the month's hottest topics in fandom, and the FPN True Believers MCU podcast discussing the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the related Marvel television and streaming MCU universe, including the connections to the original Marvel comics. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on several platforms. Please subscribe to the Fandom Podcast Network YouTube channel to receive notifications of new podcast episodes and live events. You can enjoy all of the Fandom Podcast Network audio podcasts on our master feed at fpnet.podbean.com. The 
Fandom Podcast Network is on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and iTunes. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on Facebook. You can email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. You can also find the Fandom Podcast Network on Instagram at Fandom Podcast Network and on Twitter at FanPod Network. Thank you for listening, and remember, respect others and enjoy your fandom. Yes, we've teased and tantalized you there, or more, <laughs> I should say he has. Uh, Kevin there <laughs> and we can even clothe you to this merch to match all of those shows including type 40 and true believers if you head over to the tpublic.com store search for fandom podcast network and you'll find a store full of all the team colors of all of the podcasts on everything from those t-shirts to phone cases and tapestries and a multiverse of other items Treat yourself, treat your other selves, and it all goes to support the Fandom Podcast Network into the bargain, so everybody wins. We're back with uh, with Kevin and Kyle and Sarah here on Type 40 for our third birthday party, having a casual chat and checking in with all the franchises. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit before the break, streaming home media at the expense of physical media, how things change, but it does seem to be that uh, there are things that never go out of fashion and that's probably uh, these these three things so yeah i mean doctor who in 2021 it's still i would say hanging in there as part of what we all call the big three so those those three franchises i think you could throw marvel in there now as well that's part. Well, let, let me get there, gentlemen. Let me get there. Because, yes, yeah, so we've got these three intellectual properties, the fictional universes, as you say, that, that have stood the tallest for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, that is Star Trek. Gene Roddenberry's amazing vision for Star Trek that continues to endure in the face of opposition from the very people holding the intellectual property. But, yeah, that's another story. Yeah. The Star Wars, which is expanding at a rate, an unprecedented rate, now onto television <laughs> after a breakout uh, hit with The Mandalorian show in the last 18 months. I'd say that really hit with season two. And then there's Doctor Who. Now, now and again, pretenders do appear. I'm, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of your buffies. I'm thinking of Game of Thrones, everybody, and even Harry Potter, a huge series like that, pretenders to those three thrones. But I don't think that any of them have managed to uh, either unseat one of the three or convincingly kind of draw up a fourth chair, claim that as their own throne and turn the big three into the big four. That's about to change, I think. There's, there is one franchise, you've, you've just mentioned it, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, now it's been around for 13 years. That's longevity. It's arguably standing culturally tall and relevant. Is it time to to uh, change it from the big three to the big four? What do you think then, Kevin? Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's to use a gangster term, they've now become made men. <laughs> they have done something that has never been done before. Okay is combine all of these films into one fluid large story as well as highlighting individual characters in these films and that has never been done before and they are definitely coming up and adding a fourth chair to that table i know kyle's got words Oh, I have words because I don't think there's just one franchise i do think there are two but i am as willing to say right now not only is marvel at the table 
they are the winner of Game of Thrones right now because they are the head of the table. The MCU is the biggest franchise in the world right now. It is bigger than Star Wars. It is bigger than Star Trek. It is bigger than Doctor Doctor Who because it, it's just it's worldwide. They film these things all over the world. Uh, the, the faces are recognized all over the world. Um, I think. Even yes. even the weakest Marvel movie, and most of those come in when Marvel first started making movies. Even the average films pull in huge money, and the faces are recognizable. And I think the fifth is definitely more U.S. and more, I'm going to say, based in Asia for its popularity. But when you look at the money this franchise brings in, and the fact that we are now ten films in on this franchise. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. We are talking, exactly you're, talking we are, about. you're talking about screeching are, tires, aren't you? Doing donuts and I, I am talking about screeching tires. I am talking <laughs> about the Fast and Furious franchise. Whether you like it, whether it's gone it. so over the top. They're knocking on the door to come in right now. Oh, I, <laughs> I think they're in. I think I, I think Vin Diesel's kicked down that door. Here's why I think that you're wrong, though. I think that there is the fourth chair, Sarah. I mean, stick with me. Stick with me, everybody. Okay. I think, yes, that, that you're right, that the big three is about to be, or, or maybe already has become the big four. And it's because, as you've described there so uh, succinctly, it's because Marvel, just like Star Trek, Doctor Who and Star Wars, Marvel, it's got that thing, that power to endure, which we have, we have seen. But it does something very distinctly different. I think that Star Trek... Doctor Who and Star Wars, obviously there's a crossover appeal, but each of them do their thing in a slightly different way, traditionally. I mean, you could say that new Doctor Who is kind of similar to the Star trek formula because you know they've got 50 minute episodes or whatever else but really at, at its core the way it tells its stories is is still different so they've they're three they're, they're very distinct universes and the way that they deliver their materials distinctive and so is the marvel universe so is everything that marvel studios do even with their move over into tv you could say they're making tv slightly differently than everybody else whereas with fast and furious i love those movies but they are kind of just movies just blockbuster movies they're immensely successful and they are into double figures now uh well i think you're all wrong <laughs> hey! uh, no but yeah no and I, I kind of agree yes there was the big three and i think marvel could be a fourth i would also put james bond in that category because that's endured from the 60s uh, but I think where we are now, I think all of these are kind of dying out apart from like kind of like the diehard films. I think the biggest franchise right now, I would say, is YouTube. People doing their own entertainment. When you first hear that. I mean, it's not really a franchise, but I, I don't know, as a, as a medium? As a, as a medium, yes, because creator content is a huge thing right now. and. There's a lot of influencers on YouTube, but I think when you're just talking on a pure entertainment standpoint, something that something that isn't reality based. Yeah, I, I IPs that. as well. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. IPs as well. I think Star Trek is definitely rebounding some somewhat. I'm very excited for Strange New Worlds when that comes That's out so with cool. Anson Mattis, Captain Pike. I think Picard is is going to get improve on it. Improve. I know Discovery's a mixed bag for some people. Some people, but I do think that, I do like the direction they are headed in with Star Trek. I think Doctor Who is kind of in this one of its periods where, yeah, it needs to be reshuffling the deck. And I'll be honest with you, the Mandalorian saved Star Wars, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I think. absolutely. What do you think then, 
Kyle, are the uh, the key tenets to making and enduring fandom as well as franchise, the kind of things that bond us all together. The perfect example of it's a two it's a twofold example, and Kevin and I have had this conversation. Star Wars made. The, I'm going to use Star Wars here because yeah, yeah. I don't truly believe that the Star Wars, the last Star Wars sequel trilogy, had any cohesiveness to it, and they did not listen to the fans. And I'm not saying the fans should dictate how something is done, but you need to take the fans' opinion, fans' ideas and love you into need consideration. To you need to respect the people that yes. have put your brand right. there. Which is what Mandalorian time. did. I think, all, I think all of these three franchises have suffered because they've taken fans for granted. The two main ingredients for a franchise is continuity, basically staying relevant stability as well finding a way to stay relevant in continuity and paying tribute to what became before you and not taking chances staying on a uh kind of like a certain recipe that's the important thing you have to identify each show as oh i can tell that's a doctor who thing i can tell i like torchwood you can tell that's the doctor who universe and the fact that the fact that kyle has seen that in the nevers and in uh in loki Loki as well and that's the type of thing but it's staying relevant and building a certain type of continuity so that when more importantly when new fans dive into whatever's new they can go oh i can go back and still feel comfortable that I'm in that same world that I enjoy. Yeah. yeah. It's like um, there's certain beats and certain principles that kind of only exist in that universe. Yeah. yeah. Now, and that's what makes what's happening at Marvel right now so interesting because they they, they closed a 10-year chapter with Avengers Endgame. They, and they have said, we're moving forward. That that story is told now. We're, mm-hmm. we're, we're still in the Marvel universe, but these are new stories. You don't necessarily have had to have seen... The Infinity Saga, if you're just jumping into the Marvel Universe now. But but what's important about that, though, Kyle, is that going forward, you feel the effects of Thanos' snap and what happened. They haven't haven't ignored that, which is brilliant. I I do think Doctor Who has the capability of doing that, but right now I think they have have people in the position. I think this is what's happened with a lot of these franchises. You you have people who are trying to reinvent the wheel. I think it's happened a little bit with Doctor Who. The Last Jedi, the effect that had on the fandom and what it did to the lore is the equivalent happened to Doctor Who with the yes. finale of the last season of Doctor Who, The Timeless, the Timeless Children. Children. Absolute, absolutely, unequivocally the same thing. In fact, probably on a grander scale, on a greater scale. I didn't scale. watch that, but I felt the ver- reverberation of you, <laughs> Kyle, everyone. I was like... What was yeah. that tremor I just felt? <laughs> yeah. It was like it must have been like hearing a death the Death Star destroy a planet, however far away, and oh, yeah. feeling feeling. Yeah, the yeah I was just like, yeah, what yeah, happened? Yeah. And Kyle kind of explained it to me, and I was like, oh crap! It was it yeah. was it was cataclysmic, yeah, and it has yeah. completely ruined the series for so many people that I know people people who are quite happy to say that openly, such as such as myself, and people who won't won't speak about it publicly. It's that much yes. of a contentious issue. No, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but I, th- I think you can even look at that. Again, it's, it's it, like I said, people. too many people are trying to reinvent the wheel. 
Marvel Marvel isn't trying to reinvent the wheel. They're just they're realizing, hey, we've got to to keep the wheel rolling. We've got to make some adjustments here and there. I think when you look at Star Wars, what happened with the trilogy with the with the last trilogy is because of the I think honestly because of some Disney influence, Disney wanting to make it feel like it was more their own property and have their own characters that really influenced and just and, a lot and, of and creative they decisions. They didn't plan that that sequel trilogy out properly either. They, they no. Uh, no. They just there was no cohesiveness, and that's important to any franchise. In fact, and then it's it took far, far, far more worrying that they did plan series twelve of Doctor Who. <laughs> well, yeah, but in this in Star Wars's case, what happened was they realized somewhere along the line somebody realized, wait a minute, and they brought in a Dave Filoni and a John Favreau yeah, who yeah, yeah. have a lot of respect, and they kind of have reset the wheel. Right? Is it fully there yet? Not yet, because I think we still have a lot of things to to come with star wars that's going to prove some things but we're, we're getting there and then like i look at star trek and i know a lot of people were kind of turned off by some of the th things that have happened with star trek discovery everybody i talked to though was very excited for strange new worlds because they that was something out of that came out of discovery that people love they love yeah. anson mount as captain pike they even liked ethan peck as as spock uh, and you this know having rebecca remain listening to the audience responding to demand i think that no matter how and the end product may not be to their taste but the fact that they did listen it's just like when they changed the design for sonic the hedgehog in the sonic movie they yes. they heard oh, and they did something about it in this instance with the star trek show they're thinking okay maybe people maybe okay we're making these shows that maybe we're creatively happy with but something out there in the audience is not being satisfied not being served by the shows we're presently making let listen to them they want this show they want this pike centric show they want potentially traditional star trek let's see if we can make it we don't know if they're going to deliver it again but let's see if we can make it whereas at the moment all we're getting from the bbc at the moment is this sort of we make this set amount of episodes you get them when we say we, you're getting them and they are as as we imagine them and if you you either like it which is great but if you don't like it keep it to yourself <laughs> and if you do speak about it you're a you're a sexist you're a you are insert your ist yes, or phobe yes. slur against against your personal character which is frankly untenable for any any franchise any relationship between a program maker and its audience uh, looking at yeah i want to remind people that uh, true believers is a podcast on the fandom podcast network and uh, kevin and kyle are the hosts they're going panel by panel installment by installment through all that new content on Disney Plus. But it's one of just uh, several shows that you've created and ran together now for years now, isn't it, guys? For years. You've been so trusting of me and uh, generous with with this brand and with your time, inviting me to, to front Type 40 for the network. It's honestly some of the most fun I've ever had in my whole time as a Doctor Who fan. And uh, my theory is that uh, if I'm enjoying it, if we're enjoying it, that comes across and includes those who are listening. Everybody's enjoying it, no matter what mm -hmm. we're talking about, even if it's even if it brings us a little bit of angst. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but uh, what I what I wanted to ask while I've got you both here is uh, what do you think is the place? So we talked a little bit about YouTube there, but what in 2021 and going forward is the place of podcasting? in all this in the popular culture landscape there kevin podcasting has become more popular than anything right now uh and 2020 had a lot to do with that to be honest with you uh, a lot of people were trying to fill the holes of uh of uh you know entertainment and uh you know kyle i kyle have been doing this since the beginning of 2016 
And, uh, you know, we've been working on our craft and getting better at it, but also hoping to provide a network that had just more than one, one goal and one show to entertain. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been a lot of fun and an interesting journey and it takes a lot of work, you know, but, but we do it because we're passionate about the topics that we talk about. Uh, Kyle and I have done a lot and, and we've evolved and gotten better at our craft and, uh, uh, I, I just see podcasting becoming even bigger. I mean, how many huge celebrities now host their own shows? And it's such a convenient way to follow your favorite people and topics. There's a podcast about everything, you know, and you can all find it on your device and listen to it wherever you go. It's the new radio. Sarah, you mentioned earlier on YouTube. There's, yeah. there's a crossover between YouTube and podcasting, isn't there? But what are the differences for you? Because you run another show before Type 40 as well. You've been podcasting longer than I have. Mm -hmm. So what do you think of the differences and what do you enjoy the most about it? Uh, it well, it's a way to talk with your friends. about you know, it, It's the equivalent to me of like going to the pub or going to a cafe or going to a convention. You, know, you meet up with your friends. You talk about what you've collected, or what you've watched, what you've enjoyed, what you haven't enjoyed, um, and just have a chat. Whatever you're passionate about, whatever comes up, because um, that you know, there's a lot of people like us where maybe you know, maybe our family and some of our friends, our social network, maybe aren't, aren't geeky or aren't into Doctor. I mean, that's certainly the the way it is for me. So you know, being able to find and connect to people who love Doctor as much as I do. It's just so much fun. You know, there's the hobby element to it as well. And, and, I, and, and I, you know, you get so much pride out of it, you know, because it's something you've created with your friend. And, and it's just lovely to be able to connect. I mean, on YouTube, you get it, you know, through the charts. Podcasting, it's slightly more different, but people can still get in touch with it. And I just think people respond in different ways. I think sometimes watching somebody on YouTube on screen is the best way for it. And sometimes it's, you know, being on a podcast, listening to it at your leisure while you're doing something else. And still, you know, it is like, it's like that radio show that you'd listen to every week. I think it's just like, like Kevin and Kyle would say, it's like the evolution of radio, I suppose. Um, but it's still in your home, you know, it's still that, personal connection and I think and that that's why it's just gonna keep keep going and going. Um my favorite um aspect hanging out with my friends. I mean obviously it's very difficult for me to hang around with you a lot because we're in different countries, different parts of the world. Um but yeah we get to hang out and have fun. Um the podcast has given me the opportunity to meet people and talk to people I wouldn't normally do. Like we had Kenny Smith on from Vortex magazine. Love Kenny. And yeah, just, and it's like, yeah, just to see that name, you know, and they'd be like, oh, I know that name, and actually get to talk to them and have a laugh and then find out they're absolutely bonkers and they've got a yeah. drashing <laughs> We We have met some wonderful, wonderful people. Some of them are saying, Kenny, some of yeah. them. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, just and the camaraderie when things go wrong, yeah. you know, when we have that, you know, ebb in the fandom. On the show? And well, not on the show, I mean, in general, in, no, no. in fandom, 
you've got there's that camaraderie there. Yeah, things will get better, and we yes. know how you feel. Kyle, do you ever stop and, and think about why it is we do what we do? And uh, as somebody who who sort of effectively show runs all these podcasts, what makes a good podcast? When you're, you're talking about what makes a good podcast, I think the thing of it is with a good podcast is you f you feel a connection to the people who are podcasting. They may you, it, when you're listening to them, whether you know them or not, you, you feel like, hey, you're getting to know this person a little bit. It's not just they're talking about a topic; they're they're making it like you're part of the conversation in a way. Mm. And I think I think that's a very hard thing to do in pod podcasting, especially for people who just start out. Start out is you want to be personable, but you're also like you got to find that balance. But I think that's one of the things that makes a good podcast. It's been an interesting time for podcasting because now that people are going back to work and people are getting out to travel more during the pandemic podcasting actually went down a little bit not so much that there wasn't podcasts coming out but then yeah. how people because people are at home all the time people don't tend to listen to podcasts when they're sitting at home it's it's when they're in their car <laughs> when they're traveling thing, yeah. back and forth to work or at work and if they can have their headphones on while they're while they're working that's when people are listening to podcasts yeah. so podcasting numbers and of course as now podcasting numbers you can't really get full streaming numbers. You can't really get, so you're kind of going off of just like download numbers. But people don't download stuff anymore. They don't want to clutter up, you know. They did. That's what photos yeah. are for to clutter, clutter up your, your device. But, <laughs> um, but I think I think what makes a good podcast to me is that you feel like when you listen, you want to listen to these people because you like these people. You know, it, it, the content. Yeah, you're you're initially drawn in by the content, but but you're also liking these people. So that. That makes it so much more. And that was when when I first started listening to podcasts. There was a couple of podcasts that I really gravitated to because yes, they had their topics, but they talked about what was going on in their lives. They talked about other things, and they just it made it fun. Like you were just sitting down and having a conversation, not that yeah. you were just listening to spew on about something. And I think that's that's what makes it uh, makes a good podcast. But I think too the biggest one of the biggest things is that you've got to have the right people, and you've got you do have to have a passion for it because. Here's the thing about podcasting, and Kevin and I have this conversation all the time when it comes to the fandom podcast network. When we start feeling like it's work, it's time to take a break from it a little bit, whether we just mm -hmm. don't do a couple uh, any recordings for a week or whatever. Because when it starts to feeling like it's a job, that's when it's time to step back and go, wait a minute. And Kevin, I think you'll agree with this is that, you know, what, and Sarah brought it up. It's more of the people I've met and the, and the friendships I've developed and, Things like that that have really gotten I've enjoyed out of podcasting. That's what it's brought. What podcasting has brought to me. My closest friends, unfortunately, don't live near me. My closest friends are the ones that I've been podcasting with, um, or I have spent uh, time with elsewhere. You know, and the pandemic obviously has kept us apart more because of that. But yeah, it it's, uh, has a lot to do with the people that you're invested in, the people you care about. Um, but like, what will kill a show is if you're not, uh, if it, if the host is not engaging, or if it's someone, you know, a, a pair of hosts or what have you, that uh, is not doing it for you. And uh, it helps to also podcast with people that you care about, and, and that's a big thing about this and the Fandom Podcast Network. Well, speaking of speaking of which, Sarah, thank you for everything you've done. <laughs> For the show and for me over the last uh, over the last three years, whether you're on the mic or not, uh, we've had some giggles. Of me. <laughs> but have you got any favourite? Have you got a specific favourite moment of the last three years and eight, just over eighty episodes of Type Four? Uh, probably the, the Christmas episodes that we did. Um, so I remember when we first started, 
a lot of it. We yeah. took it really seriously, probably a bit more seriously than it's we should have done. Gone. But obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, you know, we wanted to learn and develop and we wanted to impress these guys who's been doing it for years before us. And then I think when Christmas came along, we just kind of chilled out. I think there might have been some alcohol involved. I think there was on, on my side and maybe Simon's as well. I can't remember. <laughs> and we just joked around and we had that silly quiz questions. And I don't know, everything's just kind of clicked and actually like, yeah, well, yeah, this yeah. is fun, you know, this is what it needs to be. And like, you know, as Kyle correctly said, you know, if it's if it's not being fun, there's a problem somewhere and you, you need to take that time out. And I think after that one, I think it just hit me kind of like, right, okay, I can't, you know, relax yeah. and just have a good time. And I, I just think that shows now we, we don't, we, you know, we have our in-jokes. Uh, when things go wrong, we just go with the flow. You know, it's not yeah. that big disaster that, that was anymore. The show, that was a show where I played it back. I thought, you know, this is going to be, I either spend weeks editing this or I just accept that it is what it is and put it out yeah. and it works really, really well. <laughs> yeah, we, we really did have a lot of fun. Uh, Kyle, I hate to I hate to say this, my friend, but you've just been uh, nudged out of the lead as the, the person who's co-hosted the most of these shows by the delightful Simon Horton our TV industry insider. You've been on You've been on a serious amount of them. Do you have a moment that you particularly remember from your time at Type 40? You know, I, I think for me, what I remember is not so much a moment, but it's watching how much you've grown, Dan, from when oh. Norman and I first reached, out to, first reached out to you and asked you about coming on and then taking over the show and just seeing for how sure. much you've grown as a podcaster and seeing the family for Type 40 that you built with Sarah and Simon and every everybody else and you know I, 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 I'm going to come across sounding like a proud parent here because you know I, I feel I, I have I, 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 I you know I just I, I just see how far you've come in such a short time and what you've done with Type 40 and how you've grown it and made it this ph phenomenon that really is I think a major factor in, in a lot of people's Doctor Who landscape now that you know it's something I'm very I'm very proud of and like I said you built this brand between not only Type 40 but with the space book and every everything like that and what you've done is just phenomenal and the, the fact that you dove in with all your passion on it and just how, how you how you've handled yourself and conducted yourself that I mean that's that's that when I think type, I mean you've had some great moments it's been fun it's been fun going back and forth with you trying to bring you back from the edge during the the, the <laughs> last couple of seasons of Doctor Doctor Who too but you know but I mean I mean truthfully that that when I look at Type Forty that's my favorite thing is seeing what you have built here Dan and how oh. much you've grown and just how much we're glad to have you part of the family yeah. I, I would so like very kind I would like to uh, uh, to add to that. Uh, and to kind of change a phrase that you mentioned when you were messaging us, Dan, um, you are no longer greener than Kermit's butt. So <laughs> <laughs> you have done very, very well for yourself. And we're very proud of you. And uh, Doctor Who fans, I think, have found a wonderful place to help celebrate their fandom. And that uh, has a lot to do with you, sir. Well. Here, yeah. here. Praise Redacted. <laughs> thank, thank you, brother. That's, that's very sweet. But yeah, I've, thank you for the opportunity. And uh, yeah, we're going to keep doing what we're doing and keep involving you guys out there. Keep having those conversations, that interaction, that sense of community. It's really important to all of us, the Fandom Podcast Network, at the Facebook and at Type 40. Uh, let us know what you think in the comments section. Get in touch. 
yeah, let us know which your favourite moments are from Type 40's past, be that Type 40 or Type 40 Live. We genuinely want to know what you'd like to see more of. Be part of it. This is what we like about this. We, I do feel like we are just one side of this and the people who receive the things that we say and interact with us are just as much a part of the family. Kevin, better let you get back to binge watching that box set, hadn't we? But I'd like to <laughs> ideally get you back. I don't want another 70 odd episodes of the show to pass before, before you back mm. to tell us about your favorite episodes in the sets or maybe to review that, those uh, Christopher Eccleston audios. That would be, that would be brilliant. I still need to get you on to do a special on uh, Dempsey and Makepeace. <laughs> oh, about that. Yes, I'll I'll set that up now that things are back in order. I'll absolutely set that up. But I would I, I'd love to come back. That'd be fun. You have to give me a nudge now and again and remind me. Yeah, yeah, and just remind you out there the uh, yeah the Doctor Who San Diego Comic Con 2021 panel will be moderated by Melanie McFarland on the uh, Sunday, the 25th of July, 2021. Exact time to be confirmed, but you'll get to see Jodie Whittaker, should you feel so inclined, along with Mandip Glill. Gil, yeah, Gill, that's right. Newcomer, <laughs> John Bishop, and uh, the world's worst showrunner, Chris Chibnall. And that surprise, yet to be confirmed guest. Did you hear that in the background? That's the old girl starting up and calling time on this edition of the show. I'll be back with more Type 40 soon. You can look out for that wherever you found this yeah it could have been on the type 40 podcast feed that dedicated podcast feed type40.podbean.com due to popular demand or over on the podcatcher of your choice apple Podcasts, for example spotify stitcher iHeartRadio, google play tune in or the podbean app itself we're also on youtube the world's largest streaming platform on the spacebook's youtube channel or on the fandom podcast network's youtube channel catch all of that over there we're still on the Fandom Podcast Network's master feed. Of course we are, along with all those other fabulous feasts for your ears that over, over there. Yeah, maybe you'd uh, like to get in touch and have your say. You can reach out to us all at Type 40 through our social medias, Instagram and Twitter, at Type 40 Doctor Who, or email us, Type 40 Doctor Who at gmail.com. Had to check there. Always get that wrong. Yeah, let us know what you think, whether we're getting it all right or getting it all wrong. And some of your, your greatest hits, what you're looking forward to for Doctor Who going forward. And uh, yeah, what do you think about that question? Is it now the big four or is it the big five? Is Carl right about the Fast and the Furious? I'd like to know. I'd really like to know what people think about that. If you're feeling really brave and fancy some uh, real-time extra-dimensional chit-chat, Go over to Facebook and join the Type 40 Facebook group. That's just hit its fifth, yeah, fifth birthday. People of all ages from all over the world and a few other worlds. We've got a few suspicions about some of them, but they're sharing everything classic and new in Doctor Who. <laughs> Kyle, where can people hear more from you or get in touch with you on social media? Well, you can find, of course, the Fandom Podcast Network at fpnet.podbean.com. We also have a Facebook page, Fandom Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter at FanPod Network or also on Instagram, Fandom Podcast Network. Me personally, you can hear me on any of those great shows over there at the Fandom Podcast Network, including I'm occasional type 40 here and there. I, you might even be able to get me to come back after the Comic-Con panel because I think there might be a fun things to talk about there. But... Also, too, personally, you can find me on Twitter at AKyleW or on Instagram at AKyleFandom. 
Did you catch all that, everybody? Catch all that? <laughs> I'm out of breath. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Kevin, how about you? If people want to hear more of your dulcet tones, where, where can they hear more of you and interact with you on, with you on social media? Uh, I am on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Spartan underscore Phoenix. Of course, you can find me at the Phantom Podcast Network. And I just want to give a shout out to our other uh, fan favorite show on the network where we talk all things Highlander, our Bloody Kings uh, uh, Bloody Kings Highlander um, uh, podcast. And my buddy Lee Feelings and I uh, dive deep into Highlander. We're getting a little excited because of the announcement of Henry Cavill as being part of the new Highlander reboot. And uh, that is a strong, passionate fan base. And we've been waiting for something new to help introduce new fans to Highlander. At least he's a Brit, Sarah. At least he's a Brit. Uh, congratulations, <laughs> actually, while I've got you. Congratulations on 150 episodes of Blood of Kings. It's a superb podcast. I'm a big Highlander fan. I haven't heard it yet. I've downloaded it. I know it's a big round table. It's the ultimate. It's the it's the gathering, basically. So if you love Highlander, mm -hmm. you definitely want to check yeah, that out. Yeah, we're celebrating 35 years of the original film. And we got together mm -hmm. uh, oh, Grant Kempster from uh, Highlander Heart, uh, who has been uh, forefront yeah, of Highlander great. fandom for over 20 years now. And we got uh, the Highlander Rewatchers, the other great Highlander podcast. And we all got together and did a gigantic uh, super show. And it was a lot of fun. Kevin, because you're the the one here, I'm assuming you have a nice collection of podcasting heads somewhere in your place. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, they're just out of camera. They're just out of camera over here. So, yeah. <laughs> Give me the prize. Give me the prize. Sarah, what are you up to? Where are you doing it nowadays? What, what else is going on with you? <laughs> well, when I'm not with you on uh, Type 40, you can find me over at the Doctor Who YouTube channel, which is every Saturday night at 8pm UK time. We do uh, Panopticons, which is like a general roundtable. We just have a chat about what's going off. Uh, we do the game of Rassalong, which is a quiz. Uh, and we also do like uh, structured kind of topics where we do a particular area. And uh, we did just did one on the Silurians and the Sea Devils. That was really good. And you can also find me at the Script Doctors, which is on the Geek Inside YouTube channel. Uh, we've recently just done a performance of the Happiness Patrol, where you'll get to see me channeling my inner ace. And on the 25th of July, we are doing the TV movie, and I am playing Eric Roberts' master. So that's going to be a little bit. <laughs> Cast as a villain again. Cast as a villain again, but yeah. Yeah, you're the villain at the PTA, I bet, aren't you? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, people just think I'm nice. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Well, yeah, good luck with all of that. I'll be listening. I'll, I'll be watching. Very brave. Yeah, taking on, taking on that role. You can, yeah, watch your eyes. You have to, you have to wear the contacts, do you? I'm not wearing the contacts. I'm going to wear, I'm going to, he has like a Terminator get up. So it's just going to be a leather jacket and the sunglasses. The Ray Bans, yeah. <laughs> and you can find me. I'm scattered throughout all of space and time, but mostly on Twitter and Instagram as the Spacebook, where I'm wheezing and groaning and posting about everything geeky inside and outside of the TARDIS. Woo, yeah. Thanks again, everybody. And as always, thanks to you for being here, celebrating with us. We always have the time. If you have the space here at Type 40, more next time. Safe trip.
Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast, is a space book production for the Fandom Podcast Network with music by Problem Being.